page 448 in your songbooks, 448, My Savior's Love, 448. Oh, 
Father, we thank you once again. And Lord, we understand and we ask that you would help us to really and truly comprehend the great privilege we have of assembling together in your name in freedom. Lord, we pray that we would not waste this time this morning. The hymns that are sung, they would be sung to your honor and glory. Lord, the preaching I pray that I would be able to get out of the way and, and your word would come through. Lord, we pray that the hearts of each one here would be open to hear. And Lord, that together we would work this morning for the audience, which is your divine presence. We want to worship you. We want to lift you up. We ask you to do your work in each heart and life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue, let's turn now to 812. 812, that's past the index. There is victory in Jesus. Amen. 812. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me Come on, sing it with feeling I Yeah. 
song 341 341 save save Say amen. 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 Glory to God now. Children, 11 and under, dismissed to the junior church as we sing this last verse with joy in our hearts. When poor and needy and all alone in love he said to me Love unto take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 3 where we'll begin this morning and uh, we'll get there in just uh, a few moments and uh, we're 
this morning. We're just going to continue. Lord willing, next Sunday morning will be the last in uh, this series of just uh, serving God and, and uh, looking at the lives of people who have served the Lord. And uh, then will be Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and we'll be, of course, uh, trying to discuss the events. And uh, people always say, now, now, which, which Palm Sunday is the right one? And uh, which Easter is the right one? Because we live in an Orthodox community, and so is it the Eastern calendar or the Western calendar? And uh, we've got a real simple solution to that problem, amen? You see, if you really believe the Bible, every Sunday is Easter Sunday, amen? Every Sunday, every service, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have to wait until some special day to celebrate the resurrection, you've got problems with your relationship with God. Amen? Uh, it should be every time we meet together in Jesus' name, we celebrate His resurrection. But just like we do around Christmas time, we like to humor the, uh, the people who will show up only on a few occasions and try to uh, let them realize that... Uh, uh, there is more to the Bible than Jesus' birth and His resurrection. Amen? Uh, that's the beginning, not the end. And uh, the last several weeks, we've been looking at people whose lives served the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're trying to find some things in, as we look at how these people lived that you and I can emulate, you and I can put into our lives. Because if I were to ask the question, how many of you want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, why else would you be in church on Sunday morning? Amen. Uh, we, we want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, but sometimes we just have a little struggle with that. We talk about serving the Lord all the time. And, and uh, I love the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I mean... Certainly, they were used in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, most of us a uh, little unsure about volunteering for Lazarus' job. I mean, he had to get sick and die. Uh, but that was part of his service for the Lord. Amen? And then he was willing to put himself on display, and they were talking about not only getting Jesus, they were talking about getting Lazarus too, weren't they? Uh, but Lazarus had his focus, had his heart, had his mind and his soul settled on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the rest of that really wasn't so important. And uh, we, last week we, we spent our time talking about the two secret servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Now this morning I want us to look at somebody that's uh, I uh, I found out it's going to be a lot more difficult to preach on on this fella uh, than I thought it was uh, because he's so mild mannered. I mean, it is easy to preach about the apostle Peter. Amen. I mean, we can identify with him. He was born with a foot shaped mouth, like most of us have had problems with. I mean, we say things that we ought not say. Uh, Peter is always doing something and. And Peter did some things that all of us are very astute at. We've practiced and we spent a whole life learning how to mess up. Amen? Uh, 
And, and that's what Peter did. But God still used him. Now, this guy here, he's a little tougher because he was kind of quiet. Not all the time. And he really didn't do anything that bad. And he did some great things. His name was the Apostle John. And as I was looking through the passages in the Bible that spoke about him, the vast majority, I mean over 80%, 90% of the passages where John, the disciple of Jesus, is mentioned, there's always a little prefix before his name, and John, with John. Uh, he was the last guy on the list. It was Peter, James, and John. It was John, the brother of James. I mean, constantly, his name was the last one on the list. Now, how many people want their name last on the list? I want my name first. Why do I got to be last all the time? Our brother mentioned Brother Wojnarowski this morning. And uh, you, you just have to meet Brother Marion to know him. He, he's a wonderful man, but uh, he, he calls himself a Pollock for Christ. And uh, he, he's uh, not afraid of his last name, and, and uh, he, he uses that quite, quite a bit to get people's attention. And uh, I'll tell you, if you had a name like Wojnarowski, you would use it too, Amen. And uh, but Brother Marion is is a lover of the Lord, and but one of the things I've heard Brother Marion complain about was with a name like Wojnarowski. I mean, it's long, it's hard to pronounce, and it starts with a W. It's always at the end of the list, and uh, that's where John was. Whenever they list John, his name comes usually at the end of the list. You know, that tells me he's a pretty quiet guy he wasn't running around trying to make a name for himself remember what peter did when jesus washed the disciples feet you're not washing my feet lord well if i don't wash your feet jesus said then you have no part in me well then give me a bath jesus said you don't need a bath peter you just need your feet washed John had sat there quietly. He was the first one to get his feet washed. Didn't say anything about it. He's one of those quiet guys. He wasn't quite as quiet as we're making him out because where we're going to start looking at John here in, in chapter 3, Jesus is going to give him a, a title. And uh, we're going to start reading here in, in uh, verse... 17 of Mark chapter 3. Jesus is, is naming the apostles here, and it says, uh, well, we read verse 16. It says, And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, now here we have it, and John, his, uh, uh, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James. Now, I mean, how would you have to like to be introduced after they've already named your brother that they've got to name you and then your brother again after you so they know who you are? I mean, that's a pretty rough way to go in life. And that was, that was John. And uh, it says, And he surnamed them Boangeres, however you pronounce that word, that's pretty close, which is the sons of thunder. 
And uh, I, I tried to look it up in the commentary, and, and they were talking about this isn't a Greek word and it's not a Hebrew word. Guess what? It was a nickname, amen? And, and don't look it up in languages trying to figure out what it means because it tells you right there, the sons of thunder. So maybe he wasn't quite as quiet as we're making him out to be. Uh, or maybe his brother James did all the speaking and John just stood there and shook his head up and down. We don't know, but he and his brother were nicknamed the sons of thunder. I mean, whenever they walked into the room, things started changing. Uh, I mean, they were uh, may not have been quite as bold and braggadocious and all of these things as Peter, but uh, we'll find out that John loved the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when he wrote the epistle of John, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the really the closest one to the Lord Jesus. And somebody says, well, that's because he was the youngest. He was kind of like the baby of the family. And uh, Do you call the baby of the family the sons of thunder? Huh? That doesn't quite fit, does it? We'll find out one of the reasons why John was so close to Jesus. In fact, let's just turn over to Mark chapter 9. We're going to spend some time. Mark seems to have a little bit of insight into his character here. In verse 38, John is, is speaking to Jesus here. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followed not us. And we forbade him because he followed not us. Now, John was interested in one thing. He was interested in the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And he wanted things to be done right. He said, now listen, if you're going to go around using Jesus' name, at least you ought to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He said, you ought to be a part of who we are. Now, Jesus gave him a pretty strange answer. Look at verse 39. But Jesus for said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can speak lightly, that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Now, Jesus' answer was a little strange. He said, if they're going to do something in my name, truly do something in my name, let them alone. The problem we have today is we have a lot of people running around, but they don't have the same Jesus. Their Jesus is different. If Jesus' brother is the devil, is that the same Jesus the Bible's talking about? Can't be. But that's the Mormon Jesus. The, the Mormon religion teaches that Jesus' half-brother was the devil. Now, that's blasphemy, my friends. And, and we can go on, and I don't want to just be repetition this, this morning, but you've got to stop and think about that. If, if your Jesus is so mean 
and he hates sin so much that he just wants to sit there and burn every human being up to crispy critters and only the pleading of his mother will stop his wrath from destroying all humanity. Is that the Jesus of the Bible? No, it's a different Jesus. Because the Jesus of the Bible had so much compassion, he went to the cross. Amen? He does not need anyone or anything. It is he that intercedes for us. He does not need someone to intercede to him for us. Amen? You've got to understand the characteristics. You see, the devil's up to the same old tricks. He is the great imitator. So don't confuse what's going on here with what's going on today. Two different things. There are people, I, I praise God, you don't have to be a member of a Baptist church to preach the truth about Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody said, now, Pastor, you, you only think Baptists are going to heaven. I have never, ever said that and never will say that. You have to believe what the Bible says, period. Now, if you believe everything the Bible says, you'll be a Baptist. You don't have a choice. Amen? Because that's what Baptist doctrine historically is. It's just Bible doctrine. I wasn't born, raised a Baptist. I became one. Because I found out that I'm not going to ask Jesus to join my church. I'm going to join his. Amen? And that's why we're here today. And John was very zealous for the Lord, as well as we should be. Amen? That's one of the reasons... Jesus called him the sons of thunder because he was out there making sure things were done right and honest. And that's a good, good thing. But got a little carried away if we'll just skip down to chapter, verse 54 of, of Luke. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. And uh, we'll just pick up verse 52 so we get the context. And sent messengers before his face as they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples... James and John saw this. They said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? Maybe Jesus wasn't too far off when he called them the sons of thunder. What do you think? Um, they said, Jesus, we went into this town. They said, you're not welcome here because you're going to Jerusalem. You know, there was still this ethnic uh, animosity there. Jesus had already been to the village of Sychar and practically the whole town got saved. Amen. But there were these people that just thought things ought to be done their way and when Jesus didn't do it quite their way, they said, you're not welcome here, Jesus. And James and John saw that and they said, reject you? Let's get this thing straightened out. Jesus, just let us call fire down from heaven. I've heard some preachers that wanted to do that. 
to New York City. And uh, I said, what are you going to do about all the souls that are there? Well, <laughs> we'd be better off. <laughs> uh, but uh, I I'll tell you, that's not the way God works. Aren't you glad? Because if he did, which one of us would be here today? None of us. James was a, uh, John was a little zealous, amen? And, and Jesus rebuked him. He said, you know not of what spirit you are. He said, that's not what I am about. It says, verse 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, one of the things I want us just to stop and point out here this morning in, in the life of this man named John was he could get a little misguided. He could get out of the way. But when he was rebuked of the Lord, he got back in the way. Amen? You know, sometimes when... when uh, we get stopped by something when we get our, our nose out of joint, they might say, or get a little miffed about something here. We, we, we get all out of joint. We get upset and all of this. You know, John could have really got upset here, but he didn't. He just continued doing what's right. Got himself straightened out. It's called surrender, amen? It's letting the Lord do things the Lord's way because He knows what's best. And when the Lord does something a little differently than we would like Him to, then we just say, Yes, Lord. Amen. That's what John did. Let's look at uh, John chapter 18. John chapter 18. One of the things I want us to realize about this man named John was he was forever a follower of the Lord. He was the one that leaned upon the Lord Jesus Christ at the Last Supper. And in chapter 18, in verse 15, I want you to read this. It says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Now, Peter had just been finished being told by the Lord a, a couple hours before that before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny three times that you ever knew me. And Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to die with you. And when it came time, Peter followed afar off. And John saw Peter going. And John followed with Peter. But when they got to the door of the palace of the high priest, Peter said, better not go in there. And John went in. Now, I want you to think about that. John went into the palace of the high priest and was a witness to all of the things that happened to
to Jesus in the palace of the high priest. There was hours of testimony where the high priest and his cohorts had hired people to come in and lie about Jesus and they couldn't get any agreement in their witnesses and Jesus stood there silent. He was there when Jesus finally looked at him, looked at at the crowd and said, they said, are you the Christ? And he said, I am. And they said, now we've got something. He blasphemed. He said, he's God. And they began to beat him and spit on him and blindfold him and all of that mocking. John was there. John saw these things. He stayed with Jesus. And the next day at the cross, when Jesus was suspended there between heaven and earth, he spoke to only one of his disciples, didn't he? He spoke to John. Let's look at John chapter 19. John chapter 19. In verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Jesus on the cross did not speak directly to any human being. He did speak directly to God. The only time you'll ever hear him calling God anything but Father was when he was hanging on the cross. When he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But here he looked down and he saw Mary and he saw John. And he said, Woman, that's your son. John, that's your mother. And it says he took care of Mary from that day forward. Who would you trust your mother to? Have to be somebody pretty special, wouldn't it? It was John. And one of the reasons it was John was simply because he was there. You know, one of the most difficult things to do is just to be there. Have you ever tried to just be there for somebody else? It's hard, isn't it? You don't know what to do all the time. Uh, But most of the time, just being there is more important than anything else. You ever try to go to the hospital to encourage somebody? They're sick, and they're they're uh, in in very great physical need and pain and suffering, and you go in to try to encourage them and help them out, and uh, they end up encouraging you. 
But when it's all said and done, they, they look and say, oh, you were such a blessing to me. I remember the story of a man in uh, Westminster, Maryland, where I grew up for nearly three years. We showed up on his doorstep, me and several other men. I was just one of the workers on the bus route, and we'd knock on the door and say, are you sending your girls to church tomorrow? The bus will be by about 9.15. And, and he said, yep, send them by. And uh, you think people were mean up here. Never once in three years did that guy invite us past the screen door. It'd be five degrees outside, blowing snow, and, and we'd trudge up the walk and knock on the door. and hey, Oh, you guys are here. I didn't think you'd come today. No, if, if the snow's over, the bus will be running. He said, yeah, the girls will be coming. You better go. It's getting cold in here. And he'd shut the door. Well, about a month after I left for Bible college, he came to church for the very first time. I knew nothing about it. He got saved eventually became a deacon in the church. And he would meet my youngest brother, Mikey, all the time. And he would say, Boy, your brother Pete was such a blessing to me. And I said, Yeah, sure. I was out standing on the porch for five minutes every Saturday morning for three years. I, I, that was a blessing, wasn't it? I have no idea what I did. That's what John was doing. Sometimes it's being there. Is the most important thing you can do. You know what? It's not very exciting to just be there. I don't think John enjoyed himself in the palace of the high priest. Do you? But I will tell you this. He did a whole lot better job than Peter did in the courtyard outside, didn't he? He was just there. It was interesting. Just go back one, two more chapters to the last chapter. This is after the resurrection. Jesus has given Peter a chance to make things right and confess his love for Jesus one time for each time that he denied that he knew the Lord Jesus. And then he told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to make it. You're going to finish your course. You're going to give your life for me. What's Peter do? Verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Now here's John just walking behind him as Jesus is explaining to Peter that, that giving him a, literally a promise. I mean, it's, it's not a very pleasant promise. He says, but when you get old, you're going to give your life for me. He said, Peter, you're going to finish your course. You're going, to, you're going to finish it right. You're going to die for the right reasons. You're going to die for me. I don't know about you, but that, that would be encouraging to me. Amen. To know that I'm going to finish my course. But Peter, he wasn't too awful encouraged by that. He looks around and he says, well, there's John. What's he going to do? must have been somebody special for even Peter, the leader of the apostles, to turn around and point him out. What do you think? John was always there. He was just 
following the Lord. And as we stop and think about this thing of serving God. I praise the Lord for this missionary family going to Venezuela. But it wouldn't do them one bit of good to go to Venezuela if there weren't churches back here supporting them and praying for them and helping them. You're just as important in God's plan of missions. And by the way, I want to just let you know as a church, our missions giving since our missions conference in October uh, has been the best that it has ever been in the history of our church. Now, don't relax, amen? Because there's still missionaries that we need to add to the list. You know what? We'll never run out of missionaries who want to take the gospel to help. We never will. There will always be more. You know why? Because... God's plan is to reach the world. And if you take a look around you, we're not getting the job done. And the only way to do it is start churches. That, that's God's plan, amen? And so we, we look at John, and, and he was there. In fact, Peter's turning around and saying, Okay, Jesus, you've told me all these horrible things I'm going to do. What, what's, what's with John? Now, I want us to read John's answer here. Jesus saith unto him, verse 22, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. He said, Peter, stop worrying about John. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the, that, that disciple should not die. Do you know that there are still crazy people who believe that John, the disciple, is living in a cave somewhere in the land of Turkey waiting for Jesus to come back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to step out of the cave after having been there for nearly 2,000 years. You say, you're kidding me. No. We actually had one in the old building come into the services and interrupt the service. And, no, he's still alive. And... Uh, I'm not sure what he was smoking, but I know that he had done quite a bit of that stuff before he came into the service. He was probably the only guy that we've ever had to ask leave our service uh, in the middle of the service because he was just so far... Um, I mean, he, he was under the influence, uh, shall we say that, of something. And it wasn't the Holy Spirit. I promise you that. He, he got it out of a bottle or a tube or uh, uh, he got it somewhere, but it wasn't godly at all. And uh, anybody's welcome to come in and be a part of the services, but you've you got to be a part, amen? And, and he wanted to argue with me saying John was still alive. Look what John says. Yet Jesus did not say unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And this is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could, could not could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. 
You know what John did? He said, excuse me, people. I know Peter made me the center of attention in this conversation. But I want you to know something. I'm not the center of attention. I'm not the important part of the conversation. Jesus is. It's not about John. It's about Jesus. That one little statement will save you a lifetime of trouble. If we ever get past, it's not about Pete. It's not about anybody. It's not about John. It's about Jesus. He said, what does it matter what Jesus said, whether I'm going to live forever or whether I'm not going to? I'm going to live in heaven with him. John knew that. That's what the Bible said. He said, Jesus didn't say that. You got to remember what Jesus really said. He said, Peter, stop worrying about John. Follow me. And John said, listen, I'm the guy writing these things, and I'm telling you these things are true, and you'd better follow these things, and I've only told you a little bit of these things because there's no way I could tell you everything about Jesus. Now, that's the life of a man we ought to follow. Amen. He didn't mind having his name last on the list. He didn't mind being an and John. He wasn't out there trying to make a name for himself. He was, yeah, he was one of the sons of thunder. And he, he said, man, let's use some of that thunder. Let's call down just a little bit of lightning and burn up that city. And Jesus said, whoa, wait a minute. John got it right, amen? He got it so right that when Peter turned around and said, Who's he, Lord? What's he going to do? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. John, he was just there. No, that I, I can't emphasize that enough. It is being a Christian 24 hours a day. We don't put it on Sunday morning. I hope we don't. Take it off Sunday evening. Now, that's the way most of the world lives their religion, isn't it? Well, I've got to go to church. Let me start acting like a Christian. No. It's just being there. And not running away. Let's turn to Acts chapter 4. We should be done by 2, all right? Acts chapter 4. Verse 19. We're going to find another and John here. But praise God, and John was there. In verse 19 it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge me, for we cannot but speak the things which we had seen and heard. This was the first time they were called in for an examination before the very men that were physically responsible. We know Jesus willingly sacrificed himself. They were physically responsible for carrying that out. And it was Peter and John. And they said, listen, you make the judgment. Should we obey you or should we obey God? 
You know what they were telling them? They're saying, if we're going to obey God, we've got to disobey you. And if we're going to obey you, we must disobey God. He was talking to the chief priests and Pharisees. Pretty harsh statement, wasn't it? Absolutely true. Being a son of thunder comes in quite well when you're called into account for being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing wrong with being a son of thunder as long as that thunder's heading in the right direction. Amen? It's pointing these men toward Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip went down to Samaria and the Samaritans began to get saved in great numbers, who did the church at Jerusalem send to check it out? They sent Peter and John. He was still there. Amen? Wouldn't it be wonderful just to be and John? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? Not have your name first. Not have you out in front. Just, just be there. Be used of God. That's what John was doing. In Acts chapter 12, things changed just a little bit. It says in verse 2, And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now we have James, the older brother, being identified as being John's brother. You know, the Lord will... The Bible says that if you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, He'll exalt you in due time. Amen. He'll give you your ministry. He'll give you things to do in His name. And, and what I want us to do is I want us to look at the book of Third John for just a moment so that we don't misunderstand who this man was. He was not some timid, shy, thumb-sucking guy that just sat around uh, uh, going, Well, we love Jesus. He was out there doing things, amen? And, and this book of Third John comes some 50 years after the time of Jesus on, uh, that lived on the earth. He's still just being there, amen? And he's writing this letter to encourage this fellow named Gaius in a church that he's the pastor of, apparently. Verse 9, it says, I wrote unto the church... But Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. And he said, listen, I, I wrote to the church, but this guy named Diotrephes, now look how it describes him, who loves, loveth to have the preeminence. You know what? There's, there's, our world is full of preachers who love to be number one, who, who love to be the go-to man, who love to be looked at. And held up in esteem. I call them Baptist popes. I mean, there's nothing more ridiculous than a Baptist pope. Amen. Uh, you, we don't. We don't need them. We don't have them. The only one we worship is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But look what John says in verse ten. He says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. 
He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Does that sound like a shy, timid, tongue-sucking kind of guy? No, he says, listen. So God's given me some authority as an apostle. And if the Lord will let me come, he says, I'm going to straighten this guy out. And yet it's recorded here in God's word for all of the ages. John's testimony of this fellow named Diotrephes. He said, if you do good, you're of God. If you don't, you've not seen God. There's nothing wrong with the authority of this book called the Bible. Amen? There's nothing wrong with being honest. And when you look at things that are going on in this world, saying, hey, that is not of God because this book says so. Amen? John was that kind of man. He wasn't afraid of the authority God gave him as an apostle. He wrote it down under the influence of Holy Scripture for us to look at today. And we have to remember something. If God's Word is right, then someone who disobeys God's Word is wrong. That's why. I don't spend a lot of time listening to Christian radio, at least in New York. And I don't spend a lot of time watching these television preachers because they're a mess, my friend. I mean, they just really are. You have Frederick K. Price screaming at God for a brand new Cadillac. Uh, Joel Osteen says, believe in yourself and God will bless you. I don't know anything more blasphemous than that. You get, you got to believe in God. And you got to surrender to God. You won't find one of them on TV today that will hold up a good old-fashioned King James Bible in the English language and say this is the Word of God. Not a one. It's ridiculous what goes on out there. What John was not afraid of authority, and he was not afraid to tell the truth. We have a lot of confusion going on out there. And it's all wrapped around the words of this book called the Bible. And he said, listen, this Diotrephes guy, he, he wants to make himself up to be somebody. Remember what happened to Jimmy Swaggart? He got in trouble for sinning uh, uh, against God and against humanity and, and being a very immoral man. And, and his uh, religious organization that he's a part of said, you need to set out of the ministry six months. And he said, okay. And after six weeks, he said, listen, my ministry's dying without me. I have to be back in front of that TV camera or my ministry's going to die. You know something? I'm glad to tell you that Open Door Bible Baptist Church isn't dependent on Pete Montoro. Amen? If I were to die, hey, guess what? We'll get another pastor and we'll keep going. Amen? Because this isn't my church. It's Jesus' church. We do not have human beings that we lift up and hold 
And, and if you're here today and you want to follow me, boy, I'm telling you, head in the wrong direction. You need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And hopefully as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be out ahead of you just a little bit because we're serving the Lord together. Amen? I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. But I'm not important. You're not important. Jesus is. And that's what we have in the life of John right here. Now we're going to turn just a couple pages. Revelation chapter 1. I love this verse. If you haven't memorized it, you need to. You need to memorize the importance of this verse. This was 60-some years. Nearly 70 years after Jesus walked the face of this earth and John followed him. Imagine doing something for 70 years. Jesus, uh, John had been there. Amen. As far as we know, all the other disciples were dead at this time, some of them for many years. The Apostle Paul had been dead for nearly 30 years at this time. John was by himself as far as the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. To say that he was an old man now is an understatement. Amen. He had been serving the Lord for 70 years at this point. Look what it says, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a testimony, amen. He said, I was on this island. I've just seen pictures of it. It's just a rock that sits in the Aegean Sea, just uh, a little bit off the coast there uh, of, the, uh, of uh, somewhere between Turkey and Greece where they all meet and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's this island, and he was exiled to it. Now, this is the verse I want you to get. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit, capital S, on the Lord's day. He said, I was in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, on the Lord's day. Was there a church on the island of Patmos? Absolutely not. As far as we know, John was the only guy there. Someone said that if he was to eat, they had to actually row out to the island and leave food on this little rock so he would have something to eat. I don't know if that's true or not, but this guy's got to be close to 100 years old. And he introduces himself as the companion in tribulation and patience. Now, how many of you be in the Spirit on the Lord's day? I mean, stop and think about this. 
Someone said that they tried to boil this guy in oil. I don't know if that was true or not. But they couldn't do it. He just kind of sat there and smiled at him, so they pulled him out of the pot and threw him on the island of Patmos. I, uh, I'm not sure of all those stories. Some of them are true and some of them are... But I will tell you this, he'd suffered a lot for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had watched every one of his friends die for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he was all by himself on this island. And where was he? The same place he had always been. He was just there with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And he honored the Lord's day, by the way. Uh, the Lord's day is Sunday. Amen? The day he rose again from the dead. And he was there. He said, I can't go to church because there's no church to go to. He says, but I'm going to worship the Lord on the Lord's day. Guess who showed up? Look what it says. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. John was just there. Amen. Jesus gave him the privilege of giving to us the last of the revelation of God. Why? He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. He just stayed faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. This may will be 20 years since I graduated Bible college. Makes you stop and think just a little bit. I mean, I'm 41. I've spent last 20 years full-time ministry. It's only going uphill from there because in just a few years, I'll spend more of my life in the ministry than I've done anything else. And you stop and you think about that just a little bit. This guy didn't spend 20 years. He spent 
70 years. And we got 50 more to go. Just walking with the Lord. The same things he was concerned about when he was serving the Lord and walking with Jesus as Jesus walked in front of him were the same things he was concerned about 70 years later when he was all by himself. That is a life worth following. Amen? We won't take time to read the whole passage here, but in the couple of times in the book of Revelation, John becomes so overwhelmed with what he sees, he falls down to worship the person giving him the revelation, and twice at least he is rebuked, saying, Don't you do it! You only worship God. That shows me John was a real human being, amen? As we are. Most of us, if we had our life to write about, we would make sure that nobody knew about any of the bad things that we did. John wasn't that way. He let us see open and true and honest who and what he was. And is that not what the world is crying for today? Haven't they had enough fake Christians? Haven't they had enough Christians who used to be Christians? You ever met a used-to-be Christian? They're the saddest people on the face of God's earth. Well, I used to serve the Lord. Well, I was a student in Bible college once. Well, you know, I, I used to. Boy, that scares me to death. John, he was there, amen? He was concerned about God's holiness he just kept serving the Lord. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. All by himself. On an island. Exiled from humanity. Cut off from everything and everybody. He was still in the Spirit on the Lord's day. As I look over my life, I find out that there's God's not interested in the big things. It's the daily things that make the difference. Just today. You know, you get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I did that August 28, 1977. If you haven't, you can do it today and get saved. Amen. If you've fallen down, Let's go back to Jesus. He's the only one that can fix it. If you've gotten your eyes and your heart set on other things, let's come back to Jesus because that's the only place where we need to be. Amen. If you haven't been being there, how about just asking God to help you be there? Amen. Make sure. And that's what opens the door for God to use us. It's not complicated. It's simple. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would allow these things from the life of this man named John to burn into our hearts and our souls. 
Lord, how difficult is it sometimes for us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day even though we're in the church building because we've got so much that needs to be done. And yet we see this man, John, who was literally left on a piece of rock to starve to death. But he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Lord, we ask that we would be willing to be your servants as John was your servant. Put our name at the last of the list. To just be there when no one else wants to be there. To care about the things that you care about in the way that you care about them. To have enough backbone to stand up and call sin, sin. And to just be in the Spirit. Lord, will you work in each heart and life here? As we approach this time of invitation week after week, we sometimes fail to recognize how serious and how important a time this is. We pray that we would be willing to surrender our hearts to you and our lives to you, that you may do with them what you want. We pray for those that are here who are unsaved, that they would be willing to trust you. We pray for those who are here today that have gotten out of the way, that they would get back. And those who have not surrendered a part or a portion of their life, that today would be the day of surrender. We ask you to do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you'd come and lead us in a hymn of invitation, one we use often here. 541. The song says, Only trust Him. And that's where it starts. That's how you get saved. That's how you live for God, is by only trusting Him. As we sing, will you come? have the piano continue to pray ask you to pray at your seat these have come there's still room for you would you come to Jesus today let us be the servants that he would have us to be
God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And of course, we must end the time of public invitation. The time of private invitation is never over. Just want to encourage you men. Uh, we're going to be changing the format of some of our special meetings during the month just a little bit. And uh, we're going to be having a men's fellowship once a month. Uh, we're going to try to do that. That is going. The first one is going to be this uh, coming Friday night about 8 o'clock. And uh, if you are free, we would encourage you to come. Uh, uh, the only qualification is uh, you're a man, all right? Uh, so we want you to, to be there, and uh, we'll be having some fun, be having some food. Uh, if you want to help with the food, you see Paul Fazio, he's supposed to take care of that. And uh, Brother Franz said he was planning something for activities, right? So that, he's the fun and games guy. And, and I promise I won't preach any longer than two hours. And uh, so we'll, we'll have a good time uh, Friday night, guys, and just encourage you to come. Men, we need fellowship with men. And uh, that's going to be the encouragement of that. Uh, uh, keep praying for Shirley, if you would, Shirley Lim. She's just come through the first stage of surgery. Uh, there's been some discoveries of other cysts. They're saying at this time they really don't know what's going on. And so you pray for them, especially as there's a lot of indecision there. Uh, read uh, our missionary letters, if you would. And um, I know that uh, May 25th uh, is the beginning of the Memorial Day weekend. But uh, we have a special privilege of having Brother Bob Lewis with us that weekend. He'll start Thursday night. We'll go Friday night. Saturday we'll do something, maybe have a cookout or, or something like that. And then um, Sunday he'll be preaching all day. Uh, if you've never heard Bob Lewis preach, uh, I'm telling you, he is one of the most unusual preachers you will ever hear. Now, have I ever steered you wrong on a, telling you a preacher was a great preacher? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I mean, we've had some great preachers in this pulpit, and he is as great as any man we've ever had stand in this pulpit. And so want to encourage you uh, to do that and uh, continue to pray for the renovations. Uh, praise the Lord. Things are going very well. We're moving in the right direction. And uh, we'll still uh, be calling upon some backs from time to time, uh, a little extra labor and all of that. And Ladies... Once we get through all the dust, uh, we are going to ask for our eagle-eyed ladies to come in and go over this place and just look for everything that us slob guys miss all the time. But there's no use doing that right now because next week we're going to cover it with dust again. So uh, we'll just put you on notice and maybe we could uh, get that set up. It'll be a couple of weeks down the line, probably toward the end of the month. Uh, and uh, see if we could do that. So pray for our missionaries. And uh, uh, men, if we could have our ushers come at this time to receive this morning's offering. <laughs> Thank you. 
Calvin, would you ask God to bless the offering? Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it and where'er you go, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth.